Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. LFC Day Trippers, brought to you by bookmakers.com. Hello, good evening, and welcome to the LFC Day Trippers brought to you by bookmakers.com. It is another Thursday night. It's a viewer's voice. I'm your host, Matt, joined again tonight by Glenn. Glenn, how are you this evening? Yeah, I'm very good after the the, uh, the endings of the Brighton and United match. Yeah, no kidding. It uh, really kept us on tender hooks there until the uh, absolute last kick of the game. Just... Uh, apologies for being a couple minutes late from the top of the hour start wherever you are but uh yeah if you uh, weren't paying attention to it brighton and hove just uh got a uh i think fifth minute of injury time handball penalty against luke shaw to uh, take all three points from united giving us uh just a little bit more hope maybe in our ridiculous miracle quest to get the top four is it making you believe again glenn <laughs> I, I still like. I still think it's too much to ask. To be honest, I just think we're we're going to run out of games, unfortunately. Um, because obviously the if even if we were to win the rest of our games, I think the most we can get to is seventy one. Newcastle are on sixty five now, and they've got five games left. You'd think they would get six six points from their last five games. So it, I think really it's it's United. Um. Now their next game's away to West Ham at the weekend, and obviously West Ham has still got something to play for. Like they're not totally safe yet. So I, I think if they were to get beat against West Ham, then that would really set the cat amongst the pigeons. Um, when I was on a couple of weeks ago with Gav, um, when we talked about it, then he he said to me he was like, if we can win our games up and uh, up until um, and including Brentford, he was like, come back to me and tell me if you if you think we've got a chance. So, um. As I say, like we're doing all we can, but I think at the minute it just looks like we're going to run out of games, unfortunately. 
Yeah, it's every uh, every show I come on, it seems like we do a little bit of this top four update and kind of update the math. And I just keep kind of expecting like, we're not going to win our last nine games in a row. Like you look at them on paper and, but I mean, every, every game, we just keep winning and winning and winning. So, I mean, yeah, it might get there and then it gets juicy for United. Uh, I mean, away to West Ham, home to Wolves, away to Bournemouth, home to Chelsea, home to Fulham. I mean, Bournemouth all of a sudden are absolutely no mugs. They might be uh, trying to finish this season above Chelsea. So, you know, uh, like you said, West Ham might have something to play for. Wolves, I think should be an easy victory at home for United. I still think at some point, at some point Lampard has to get a result from that Chelsea team. And I'm just hoping that it might be the second to last game of the year against United. And if it puts it into a shootout, like for me, the absolute best case scenario is we finish level on points with United and they lose on goal difference because we absolutely smashed them. Like that's what I want from this season. (laughs) I'd almost take that over everything going down. Actually. I think that would be even more just fulfilling for the soul than having Everton go down. Now I won't say no to both of them happening, but uh, like you said, I mean, it all comes down to whether we can continue to win our games. Won another one yesterday, one nothing against Fulham at home. What'd you make of the match? Yeah, it was, it was pretty poor, to be honest, wasn't it? Um, but it, like, it's it's one of them ones where like you'll you'll take a scrappy one nil every day of the week. Do you know what I mean? Like three points is three points, so it's not to be sniffed at. But um, yeah, it was uh, it was one of them ones where if we didn't get a penalty, I was struggling to see where we were going to get a goal from. To be honest. Um, just looked like every time we got into the final third, the final ball was just, it was just lacking really. There was a, like a, a real lack of quality when, when we got um, into the final third. Um, and I, I don't know about you, but I, I, I always feel like, I feel like at the minute, whenever we are ahead in a game, like I don't feel like we're ever really in control of it. Um, it was the same against Spurs um, on some, uh, last Sunday there. Uh, the same last night, like you just, you could just see that like we were as the game sort of got t- towards the end like film had a couple of chances and they probably should have scored right at the death Um, that ball was tied across the the front of the box Um, decorative where he probably should have scored so um it's one i want you take the three points and move on yeah it's just i certainly think that there was a, a far greater degree of control when we had the three points on the board than against spurs i mean against spurs that was just horrific levels of self-immolation from our defense to let them back in that game like that should have been over you know walk the game out at three nothing and shake hands and go home but we let them back in but I really didn't feel like we let Fulham get back in I mean Allison makes the save at the end of the game which that's just what Allison does that's why he's our best player this season and you know the best goalie in the entire world but uh other than that I mean I felt that defensively uh, we showed out really strong so uh, the big one, though, is is Darwin Nunez. I mean, I think it kind of goes hand in hand with being a little bit blunter up top, not having Jada in there, who has all of a sudden found that vein of scoring form that we knew he had in him. We knew that once he gets on a roll, he can start banging in the goals, picks up a bit of a knock. So Klopp, whether it's managing minutes or attitude or whatever, expectations for the players, he gives the start to Darwin Nunez to lead the line up top and wasn't fantastic, was it? No, um, but then it, it's one of them ones where, like, you know, the contribution that he did make, you know, it, it led to the goal. So, um, obviously, you can't knock him for that. But um, I think, like, the 
you, you see a massive difference between him and Gakpo whenever Gakpo's playing through the middle. Um, I think I, I remember being on a show then not long after Gakpo joined, and I actually said on that show that I preferred Nunes through the middle and Gakpo out wide. But um, from what I've seen from Gakpo since then, he's completely changed my mind. Like he's so good at receiving the ball in defeat. He never he doesn't lose possession. He can turn and drive at, at the at the opposition. Nunes, it's it's not like that. Everything's got to be in behind. Um, and obviously, when you play against teams like Fulham at home, the opportunity for you to play the ball in behind, um, you're not going to get that very often because teams are going to sit in. So, um, yeah, I felt like I felt like he's just struggled really, sort of like in the last sort of like six weeks. Obviously, he's not really been in the team. He's not been in the team much, but whenever he's come on, um, I mean, again, like not to talk about Spurs again, but, you know, I thought he was dreadful when he came on on Sunday. I mean, I know obviously uh, he wasn't great for their equaliser, but, you know, that aside, just a general play, like um, he wasn't really kind of doing what you wanted him to do at that stage of the game in terms of like hassling and harrying the defenders. I don't know. It, he hasn't seemed right the last few weeks. And I, I don't know if it's maybe a case because he's been taken out of the team. Maybe he's kind of taken the huff a bit. I'm not too sure. But, um, yeah, he, he did struggle last night in terms of his uh, his overall performance. Yeah, Charlie the Red had a comment there that says he's looked a bit leggy since his injury. Uh, I don't think that helps, you know, because he, he was going along good. And then you just pick up a little injury and it's always going to set you back. Like, it's going to take you time to rebuild that match fitness, however <laughs> much you lose, and then get that form. And then it doesn't help that he also kind of lost the shirt at the same time. And then I mentioned it to Chris and Kev on full-time reds last night, right after the game that it feels like he's had to come in and learn a system twice in a year because yeah. we've changed systems halfway through. And I mean, it's, I don't know if it should be less like blaming or being negative about how Darwin's failed to acclimatize the system. I think the better way of looking at it would be highly praising Cody Gakpo because he seems to have a footballer's brain in his body. Like, like he's really got that understanding of what he needs to do in the system and the link up play. And like you said, the, the strength and turn and power running, like, you know, we've been crying out for a midfield runner to do that. And it was never Bobby's game. He dropped deep and get the ball, but he played those little one, two, you know, passes with Salah and Mane on either side. And we would break like lightning from it, but he's just gaining the yards himself. Like he's, turning two, three defenders and busting forward 20 yards and then looking for that layoff. And it provides us something different. Um, but about Darwin, I was thinking about it today. Like it's tough to say, cause like uh, Kevo Sullivan says that since, since the Arsenal game, the whole thing is just a, a work in progress. And, you know, we're seeing every time we see this formation, we're going to learn a little bit more about it. But I was wondering whether Darwin Nunes will be able to provide just sort of a difference maker. If he's playing with Gakpo or Jada through the middle, and they're dropping deep into midfield because, like you said, he wants the ball in behind of almost leaving him a bit on an island out on the left wing. And you could do the same with Luis Diaz as well, too. And then it just gives you that like emergency release ball, whether it's, you know, from Gakpo getting it in the middle, turning under pressure and chipping the ball out wide or Trent picking the ball up from pretty much anywhere on the pitch. You know, if you look at his touch maps from the last few games, he's getting the ball everywhere. But just to know for him that that ball's always on, that he can... You know, he can clip that ball over the top and just let the stallion run because he's going to win the vast majority, if not every one of the foot races he gets into. But the problem yeah. for me that I was thinking about is I don't yet have a 
quite an understanding really at all of the role that that left wing, that left forward player plays in our defensive shape and whether, you know, like, is that too much of a trade-off, do you think? Yeah, I think, um, like, the sort of spell sort of uh, in sort of like January, February time where Nunes was playing out on the left and Gakpo was playing through the middle, um, it was working well for us at that at that time. You know, that was that sort of coincided with like the the sort of little run we had where we, we beat Newcastle and uh and obviously we beat United seven. And um, you know, at that stage you could see that they, you know, like there was a a real system forming up front with uh, with him, Gakpo and uh and Salah. Um and like I say, I, back then like I still thought no, I prefer him in the centre of the pitch. And my thinking was like I want him sort of involved in as much of the game as possible whereas when he's out on the left wing you're not as involved you know um but uh like i I do think like the last few weeks the reason why he hasn't been the team i think it is kind of what you're touching on in terms of the defensive side of things and i think he is he has struggled to sort of grasp that in terms of you know getting his, his positioning right knowing when to press because that's really like the, the most important thing for Klopp. And you hear, you've heard him say about it in, in uh, press conferences all the time around, you know, it's it's like the, the triggers, it's the players need to know the triggers in terms of when they press. It's not just a case of you just run for the man who's got the ball nearest to you. There's a lot more goes, goes into it than that. And it does take players time to, to get used to that. And I think with, with uh, Darwin, um, I read an article actually during the week and, you know, it, it was saying like, you know, he barely can't speak a word of English still, um, which, I mean, there's others in the team who are equally as culpable, um, you know, like look, Nabi Keita, for instance, like, I don't think I've ever heard him speak a word of English. Mm-hmm. Bobby, I don't, I think this is pretty limited. So um, I'm not saying that that's the uh, the reason, but um, I think, you know, definitely this year, he, he, there's been flashes where we can see that, you know, there's obviously, we all know there's clearly potential there. Um, and I think the fans like know that like in time he's going to be a really good player for us. But at the minute, he is struggling to kind of like grasp the demands of of what Klopp wants from players in that role on the left hand side. And I think that is to say why he's, he's been out of the team so much recently. Yeah, and it also doesn't help that he's not coming in and just bagging goals. You know, even if they're garbage time goals that you know <laughs> he could have gotten a second. Why well, he started against Fulham, but you know he could be getting what they call an NFL garbage time goals, you know, a late one, the fourth goal and a four, one sort of thing. But just that scoring just would keep all the positive vibes flowing from the fans. And it looks good with the coaching staff and everything like that. But uh, Chris Prosser is asking, do you think Klopp will stick with Darwin next summer? If he's still not up to speed. I mean, <clears throat> I think he will. Yeah. Because Liverpool don't like losing players that they've uh, or losing money on players that they spend a lot on. And to be fair, it's not really happened um, much over the the, the the past few years. Um, I think the thing with, with Darwin is is like obviously like most of the players we sign are young anyway, so we always know that if they do struggle at, at first, there's still time for them to to adapt, and you know they could end up playing like a different role than what we initially expected. So um, I would be surprised. Um, if uh, if that was to happen, but um, I think the interesting thing um, next season is that you know for so long we've we've had like a settled front three, um, 
And I think now we're definitely, we know we're in a different phase because there's different players, but it'll be interesting to see if next season there is like a favoured three that he kind of like goes with. And I think the real problem with Darwin is, is that if he's not in one of those three positions, I think he'll really struggle because he is quite an intense fella and you get the, you get the sense that if he's not playing, he's really not happy. So it'll be interesting to see if next season, you know, um, after say, you know, 10 games, is there a, a clear settled from three or is he still rotating on a regular basis? So I think that obviously time will tell, but um, I would be, I would be surprised if, if, if he wasn't there at the end of next season. Yeah. It's, it's a lot of money to put into a player to, and I mean, if there's one thing that Jurgen Klopp and his recruitment staff and whatnot cannot be accused of, it's being quick to get rid of players. Like they do not, <laughs> they yeah. do not <laughs> cut bait. We, we, uh, we, we still got Navi Keita, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain on our team and they are a constant injury disappointment happening again and again and again. And, yet they're still here. So I, I just don't think it's going to happen. I, Ashley L says, hold off judgment on Darwin until we see him in an actual functioning Klopp team with a real midfield, which is extremely uh, good point to say. And then there was another one here from Darren that says, Suarez didn't get many in his first season either, but that worked out okay. And I, yeah, I believe the stat is, is that Darwin's return is still better than Sadio Mane or Luis Suarez's first season with Liverpool. So if you put it into context, it's, it's really not as bad as it seems. And I mean, the only reason that he's having the struggles of getting into the team is because we've had guys come be reintegrated into the team and they've hit the ground running. And, you know, Luis Diaz really looks like he's got to be in his bonnet from that extended period on the sideline. Like he looks up for it. Like he's got the fight. He's in there. He's snapping into everything. But uh, in terms of it being a long-term project, uh, do you think our plans are changing for the midfield? Uh because I'm I'm really starting to come around to the notion that we might spend a big chunk of money on a left-sided center half that could also functionally fill in as you know left back cover, uh, if possibly even Simicast moving on, because it really seems like Trent's getting that spot in the midfield. That's kind of going to be taken care of. Curtis Jones is having a renaissance and possibly saving his Liverpool career. I think there's not a question that Curtis Jones will be with the team going into next season. And then the kind of forgotten one, because he's been out for a little while, Stefan Bacetic is still yet to come back into this team. You know, there, there's some options there, but when you look at that left fullback role, because I, how do you feel that Simicast did yesterday? Uh, he, he, I don't think he was great, to be honest. And, yeah. But the thing is, it, it's it's like, it's it's hard to criticize the fella because he, he, he starts a game once in a blue moon. So I think like, I thought last season he was really good considering like he's probably had the same amount of appearances but i thought last season when he came in he done really well like that's kind of the reason why he's here this season because obviously his first year was a bit of a write-off he was injured for pretty much all of the season so um we were we still were unsure if he was capable of sort of like stepping up to, to kind of fill in when when robo needed a rest but i thought last season that he was brilliant um and I think this year, I don't know, I don't know why, but he just hasn't been able to maintain them levels. And um, yeah, I, I thought he was pretty poor last night, to be honest. But as I say, it's it's very harsh to kind of like you know criticize him too much when he's only he's only playing once every maybe like four or five weeks, and you know other than that, he's maybe getting like you know fifteen minutes at the end. So um, yeah, it's a difficult one. <laughs> the thing is, is like obviously we know like trends is, is sort of moving into this this new role and obviously at the minute he is still 
sort of technically starting as a right back but drifting into the midfield. But like, if we're ever going to buy a full back whilst Robbo and, and Trent are, are still there, like they know that like they're second choice. So yeah. you, you can't go out and like spend big money on someone who's going to be second choice because like they're not going to come. You know, you need to sort of take the risk and sort of like try and get someone who's maybe a bit younger um, who, you know, obviously from a smaller club who's kind of like thinking, well, I would never have the chance to play for Liverpool. So I'll go there and, you know, I'll take my chance that I might might get in. You know, I mean, Robbo's like the perfect example of like coming in from Hull for, what was it, seven and a half, eight million. I know obviously he only had Moreno in front of him. But if you remember his first season, whenever he came in, he didn't get in the team until Moreno got a bad knee injury. Yeah. So like, it's one of them sliding doors moments. But like, as I say, like we had to take the chance on someone who, you know, wasn't, you know, sort of, we weren't paying like 30 million for someone to come in and play play backup and again it's the same sort of situation we're in now um you, you kind of need to sort of like uh try and take a risk and um in terms of the left hand side like i i don't know if you'll be able to to get much better as a backup than Simicast, just purely on the fact that he's been there now for a couple of years and obviously he, he knows what the um what the demands are if it was me like I would be going out and buying a right back 100%. Um, I know it might seem harsh because we've obviously got uh, Calvin Ramsey who's been injured all year, but, you know, we don't know what, what he's like. So, um, but I, I would be buying a, a right back before I'd be buying a left back, to be honest. Really? Really? Yeah. Because I, th- I, would buy a, I would buy a right back and then I would just say to Trent, right, you're just going to play in, in, in midfield now. Like, you're not going to kind of do what, we, what you're doing at the minute where it's kind of like, out of possession, you'll go back to full back, but in possession, you'll come into the center. I would just say, no, you just stay there. So um, you want you you're thinking going and playing some form of four two three one, like four at the back with another right back with Trent actually properly playing midfield. Yeah, I like. I just think that against the better teams, I just think we'll get we'll get caught out where when the ball changes over quickly if he doesn't get back into position in time. And the thing is as well is like obviously like. The fact that we've got Kanate, who is who is young and he and he is quite quick for a centre half, but like we'll run him into the ground very quickly because he'll just have to be constantly covering for Trent whenever the ball changes over. And I just think like you'll get found out over the course of a season with that. I think at the minute because it's quite a new system, um, teams are still kind of like adjusting to how they set up against it. But obviously at that level of the game, like coaches will work out a way to exploit it very quickly. I think so. To me, like I would be getting a right back before uh, before I get a left back, but um, who that would be, I I I, I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, I mean that's interesting. You haven't been quite swept up by the uh, hullabaloo around the three at the back as I have, because I would go almost a completely different way. Like Ashiel points out that Connor Bradley, who was voted uh, I believe Player of the Season for Bolton uh, Bolton Wanderers. He'll be back, him and Calvin, the hologram Ramsey, battling it out for uh, the backup right-back position. Uh, Kevin Ball asked if you'd sell Simicast to raise some funds. I honestly think you might look at doing that. I, t- I could see them taking, you know, 20, 23 million sort of thing for Simicast, moving him on. He's at an age where he's going to want to be playing first-team football. He knows, unless Robertson suffers some sort of terrible injury, that he's not going to play the vast majority of the games. Robertson just is. He's got an engine on him. He still has the lungs and the legs and everything about him, the way he's playing. But when I look at the way that that system's shifting, and Robertson's done 
a serviceable job. Like if you look at the the players that are kind of slotting into those positions, like I'm thinking like Robles is good as playing that left sided center half and that three at the back as Mark Kukurea is. Like Mark Kukurea is not pulling up trees. He's that same sort of marauding run up and down the winger and has been asked to play as the the left side of a back three. And like he's not pulling up any trees. Like Luke Shaw has been moved to center half. Like he's not doing terrible at it. I think Robertson can do that. I don't think Simicast could do that. And that's what's starting to lead me towards the idea of Liverpool going like, especially, and this is going to foreshadow what we're going to get to uh, as the next topic. If we're not splashing a humongous amount of cash on one specific midfielder, I mean, it's the too many money all over again. Like we've that there's, there's a chunk of money that's been earmarked there. And now obviously you're going to use some of that to buy multiple players for the midfield, which we're going to talk about, but I can now see the idea of uh, Gav did a show with Shawnee Keith, I think. And they mentioned buying Josco Vardial. And that was before we'd switched to this new system. And in our regular four, three, three, I just couldn't understand the logic of spending a hundred million euros on somebody that's wants Virgil van Dyke's position. Like there's just not enough games to keep both Virgil in the team and happy and this new hundred million pound signing in a team and happy. If we're playing with this new inverted system and Vardial can play as that left side and Kanate can play on the right side <laughs> with Virgil in the middle. I, I quite enjoy that idea. Like I, I like that. And then you can filter Robertson in. I honestly think that you could put Robertson as that left-sided midfielder in some games you know, with three behind him. And it gives you the option to shift in game that if you want to drop, you know, like let's say you're playing, you've got Joe Gomez in instead of Ibu Kanate because of rest or rotation or, you know, a minor knock or something like that. Well, you got Robertson in there. You can slide them back. You can still play with our back four. Like, I just like the options. I, to me, I, I guess I'm getting caught up. I, I like the way we've looked with this new system because I feel it's getting the absolute best out of Trent. Like he's really, really come on since he's moved into midfield. And I think that's important. And if we go to four at the back again with Trent playing as one of the three in a midfield, it's a totally different game. The space is different. The angles are all different. And I'm worried about it stifling him again because it seems like you said teams caught on to what you're doing. It seemed like teams had found a way to kind of mark Trent out of the games and then really exploit the space when he got desperate and started to push the game forward. And then all of a sudden we're wide open at the back. Now it feels to me like we're less open at the back when Trent's not in right back positions. Yeah, I think <clears throat> since this sort of change has happened, like the one thing that I've noticed um, is like the is the counter press is back and it's the first time I've really seen it. Um, well, probably since last season, to be honest with you. Um, and obviously that, that's the thing that has been killing us this year because you know, we were so good at like getting the ball back after we lost it, but we just didn't have that this year for, you know, well, really because the legs had just gone out of the midfield. But having Trent in that area of the pitch now means that if, it, if we do lose it, then it's another body there. Whereas previously when he was playing right back, you know, he wouldn't really be in them positions as much unless the ball was out wide. But, you know, obviously you're going to lose the ball in the centre of the pitch more often than they are out wide. So, yeah. um, but yeah, I, I think... um. I think in terms of like next season, um, as I say, me personally, like I just think like you're asking a lot for someone to sort of cover that amount of ground over a course of a season. Um, and I just think over the course, like, I mean, 
whether it's Champions League or Europa League we're in, you know, you 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 expect your your regulars to play at least fifty games when you take into account sort of you know cup competitions and the rest of it. And I just think you know playing that um play, trying to play that system for that amount of games, I just think it'll catch up with you. So that's kind of my reason why I would like to maybe see him play in the middle and just to kind of save his legs a bit. But I would be surprised if it happened. But we'll we'll have to wait and see. Yeah, I I mean, the possibilities are all there. I I never thought that Trent would excel in that midfield position, especially not in the double pivot. Like, I thought if anything, he'd play wide on the right of a midfield three, just so that you have at least some touch line, so it's not 360 degrees. But, ah, damn, I just think he's reveling having the whole pitch to play with, like the little interchange passes and shifting the opposition defensive structures. Um just got to jump back here. Somebody says they want to laugh at United just for a second. I mean, we will do that. Just a quick <laughs> update uh, going through the show sponsor, bookmakers.com. Liverpool's odds of making the top four have increased by 2%. Yesterday it was 12%. And with United's loss today, we are now up to 14%. So you can get that and all other good stuff quite like that on bookmakers.com that are uh, sponsoring the show this year. If you're into that sort of gambling thing, head on over. It's a good place to do it. Get the best for your money do it responsibly or don't do it at all. And you can go there and still get stats and comparisons and uh, Gav's YouTube show that he puts out previewing the weekend's action. So that's all well and good. So the midfield, (laughs) this may as well roll this into the gigantic 150 million euro midfielder elephant in the room. There's a lot of work to do there in that midfield. Oh man. Like, now it's looking like Milner is close to agreeing to go to Brighton next season. Yeah. Thiago's now season ending injury, you know, his third <laughs> hip injury in 18 months or something like that. Ox and Keda already out the door. Henderson, another year older. Fabinho, thankfully has found a little bit of his form back again, but going through the team and looking at the bodies in midfield, we need some work, don't we? Yeah, hundred percent. And like, I know you mentioned before about Curtis Jones, um, and uh, I think I feel like I'm the only person who's not really seeing what what everyone else is seeing from him. Like, I honestly, I honestly don't know if he's playing these games because like Klopp's putting them in the shop window. Because like, when you look through our team, and again, I, I touched on this a couple of weeks ago there's not really many players where you're going to get a good sell on value, you know, um, like we touched on like, uh, Ox and Kate, obviously they're leaving on free. So you're getting nothing out of them. Milner, he's leaving, leaving on a free as well. And obviously like our model, it's all, it's self-sustainable. So like we need to, we need to sell in order for us to go out and, and really sort of splash the money. Um, and you, when you look at the team to sort of like see who possible candidates to raise some funds would be like, I think he would be one. You mentioned Simicass, um, Kelleher. So he's, he's a great backup, and he's probably getting to the stage where he's thinking, you know, I, I want to be a first choice. But um, yeah, there's a, there's a, there's a lot of work needed in that midfield, and um, obviously we're we're being linked with uh, with quite a lot of players at the minute. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see sort of who does come in. Um, I I seen on Twitter there just before we come on um, an article from Paul Joyce and. Um, one of the bits of it was saying that you know, Klopp wants all of his, his signings in ready for for preseason, which obviously that that's what you would want, you know. Um, whether it happens or not is another thing, but um, you would think that if that's the case, then 
a lot of work's going on behind the scenes sort of as we speak. Yeah, and hopefully it's all done early because we kind of know, like Kevin Sullivan says, we don't need to sell anyone. I, he's talking to raise funds. I mean, should be about we right. Don't yeah, we don't need to. Like, I agree. Like, we, we shouldn't have to. But, like, that's just the way that the model has been. Um, I don't agree with it, you know, because, you know, we had record revenue last year. So there's no reason why we can't spend the money. And obviously, it would be nice if the owners were to say, well, look here, we'll put some money in uh to the club we know they don't do that but um as i say like i we we don't need to but it's just that's just the way it's 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 been operated unfortunately yeah it's the only one for me that i would consider out of our midfield selling and i'll pose the question to you if you got an offer for 10 15 million would you sell tiago no really no because honestly like I think even if you got him for like 30, 35 games, like, I just think he's like, he is a level above any other midfielder we've got. Um, the thing with Thiago is, is like, he like, he's just one of many who have had like recurrent injury problems. And like, I just think like after a while, you've got to look at the medical department and just like question what's going on there because there's so many players who over like a period of time have just had like consistent or consistently getting injured. And it's not even like they're getting injured in games. It's like they're getting injured, you know, in training. And that's like the big worry for me. Like, like Bobby's another one, like he's out again. It's not really clear as to, to what, what's happened with him. Curtis Jones, he's missed big chunks of this, uh, of this season, although he's playing now, but he's missed big chunks of the season. Obviously Ox and Keita, we, we know that's well documented about their, um, injury troubles gomez another one but like to me like i i i think like the medical medical department like in the summer or you know hopefully now like there needs to be like a serious discussion around like what's going on there because the amount of injuries we lose like outside of games i think it's just ridiculous and like tiago he's another one add to the list i just think like if it was like one or two players then yes you would question maybe the players but the amount of times we've we've heard of players being injured and it's like it wasn't like a you know a knock in a game or anything like that. I just think there's just something really not working there. It does feel like we get far, far too many injuries. Like I think we're still leading the Premier League in Premier League match minutes missed by injured players. And I mean that's crazy because there was a point in the season where Chelsea were down like 10, 11 of their first team squad. So, you know, they were going through this cataclysmic injury crisis, and yet we still were missing more man hours playing by by injuries. So there's certainly something to it. And I mean, some of that has to go down to the way that Klopp, you know, trains the team, asks the team to play for him and things like that. To me, though, it's just, it's almost a bridge too far. Like, I wouldn't be upset replacing, uh, I'm going to catch pelters for this, if we could get 10, 15 million for Tiago, I would have no issues replacing him with an experienced homegrown midfielder that you can get on a free. Maybe not even homegrown. I would take I'd take Yuri Tielemans on a free over Tiago. I'd take Ruben the Sandwich Neves. I'd take James Ward Prowse over Tiago because they're available and they can play games for us. So I mean somebody chalked up here. Let's see if I can find it. Our nope. Wrong one. Writing down. Ah, here it is from Laszlo. 
He says, just say for argument's sake that we signed McAllister, Ugarte, and Mount. That leaves us with Fabinho, Tiago, Elliott, Henderson, Bacetic, Jones, McAllister, Ugarte, Mount. That's nine midfielders. That's also the number of midfielders we had going into this season. So if you think Tiago picks up a fair number of injuries, Henderson's getting older, <laughs> Fabinho getting older, Bacetic currently injured, Jones always seems to pick up injuries, Mount currently injured. Like there's a lot of players there. And if you can just replace one of those guys with somebody that you can count on to be fit, it's not going to be like, it doesn't have to be a flashy name. Like if you took Tiago's name out of that list and replaced it with Yuri Tielemans and he's fifth, sixth, seventh choice, you know, battling with Curtis Jones for minutes, you're not going to be upset. Like we're not talking about starters here, but like as much as Tiago can do things with the ball or even before the ball gets to him, that makes me and everybody just go like, wolf, like, Oh my, what a player he is. If he can't play for us, he can't play for us. And at a certain point, we have to start at least hoping that the club are going to be a little bit more ruthless with these players. And yeah, no, I, I totally take the point. And it's like, um, we, we, we seem to always have the same debate around Daniel Agger. Like, obviously it was like well-documented, you know, where like Barcelona, like uh, courted him for a long time. Cause obviously when being like a, a left-sided center half, great on the ball, you could see why they wanted him. Um, but it was probably like his, his injury record probably stopped him from ever, um ever going um but like and again like um for us like he was a great player but um he just missed so many games and there was always that question about like you know there's no point of him being there's no point of him being so good if he's not on the pitch so i totally take that point with tiago i just think for me like he's just he's too good and i think like for me like 10, 15 millions, I don't really know like, how much of a difference that's going to make in terms of us getting like certain players. Um, I just think his game time needs to be managed better. Um, like to me, like he's perfect. Like last night I thought would have been like a great game for him where you're playing against teams who are coming for a point. You need someone who's going to like play the ball forward, take risks. Um, obviously at the minute, because Trent is playing in this new role, he's kind of bringing that. So maybe like that's maybe why we're not missing Thiago as much. Um, but, you know, previously when it was like, say, Fabinho, Henderson, yeah. and then any other, you know, you, you had three crabs in the middle. So it was like, it was like glaringly obvious, like how bad it was without Thiago because they just kept pe- passing sideways. So, um, I, th- I mean, his contract's up next season. Um, so, I mean, I... I mean, I would expect, you know, unless like there's a miraculous recovery um, in terms of his uh, availability, I would say next year would probably would be his last. I mean, is he 31 or 32 now? Yeah, right, right in and around. Now. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, I don't I don't see him being someone who's capable of playing in the Premier League when, when he's like sort of 34, 35, just because of the physical demand. Like, um but yeah, I I wouldn't. Me personally, like I wouldn't. I wouldn't sell him. I know. I it probably sounds like a bit, you know, counterproductive. Um, in terms of like squad planning, like long term, like I I would honestly like I I would sell Curtis Jones. I just think like you get good money for him. We're putting him in the shop window. I, I personally, I I don't. I really don't see the fuss with him at the minute. Um, I just think like he can be easy on the eye because he's a good dribbler, but. Like, I know he scored against Spurs, but 
I, I, I'm just really not seeing what he's bringing to the team. Like there was a couple yeah. times the other night, you know, he got in great positions and then just final ball was so poor. Um, Everybody's final ball was was quite it, shit. It, it, it was, uh, yeah. Um, but I just I don't I don't see that from him. Sort of like in other games where like I feel like he's a real threat for us. Um, like people have compared the genie a bit because obviously like genie's not great or wasn't great. Sort of like providing for the like providing assists or anything like that. But the us. work that genie done off the ball was just like so good. And I think like Jones he's he's not got anything like that in his locker. Um, I, I think he's getting a lot of praise at the minute. Uh, again, he's a he's a, a fresh set of legs, and um, he's probably standing out because he's got you know Henderson, and Fabinho, who you know you've seen milk turn turn quicker than them at times. So uh, yeah, um, if if I was going to raise funds like that, would probably be the so I would probably be something I think you would maybe get like twenty twenty five million for. Well, the, the issue with that is you back yourself into a real big corner then with your homegrown because if you're talking about letting Jones go and Chamberlain's going and Milner's going, that's three homegrown players that need to be replaced in the squad. Like mine's being linked. All right, well, that's one. I mean, some of the other names we're looking at, McAllister, not homegrown, Ugarte, not homegrown. So, I mean, it puts you back into a spot where, got to ask you, how do you feel about Bellingham? <laughs> no, it's, it's like honestly, that, that there's no chance of that happening. Um, I, I I said this to Gav the other week. Um, I think even then we knew it wasn't happening. Um, I really think like we like even even if we if we were to get Bellingham, like him on his own wouldn't be enough. Like we would need other players as well as him, and obviously like we're like we will not spend that kind of money that's just like frustratingly that is just like the way that uh, the club is managed you know um any other team you know, sort of like sort of maybe like a man city um or well you know a chelsea for instance although they've spent the money terribly if they were in our position right now they would probably look at this and think right we need to get this right now let's just go out let's spend what whatever Dortmund want, let's just spend the money for Bellingham because let's be honest, we've not actually spent a lot in previous years. Nope. Let's just go out, we'll bite the bullet because we know like we'll kind of like make the money back and qualifying for Champions League year after year. We'll get him, we'll get a couple others in um, and this will be a big spend this summer and it might mean that, you know, next year it's going to be very quiet, but we'll do it. But we, we just won't do that, you know, um, which is, it's obviously incredibly frustrating. So, um, like when I spoke to Gav a couple weeks ago about it, like I said, like personally, like I would rather have like three midfielders in if I had the choice of either getting Bellingham on his own or else getting like three midfielders, maybe like I think the three that are sort of most heavily linked are like Mount, Gravenberg and McAllister. I'd probably take them three just because we need more, we need bodies. Yeah. It's that to me, I think is, just plainly obvious again it's been this fun dalliance with changing systems and having some players be back and fit again but uh we're back in the same situation we were at in january and in august and september at the start of the season of like we need reliable bodies like we've got numbers there in terms of when you just write the names all down on the sheet but at the end of the day we don't have those players there and going into next year some of those bums are going to be out the door and also james milner who will be sorely sorely missed around here i saw some discussion in the chat over milner i'm i i would love it if there would be a 11th hour turnaround on it and milner would stay another year 
I think it would be fantastic. But uh, I said this last night as well. If if he's going to go somewhere, I just want him to play because I would like to see him take that most games played record from Gareth Barry. I think he deserves that. Like it, if he gets that record, he's seriously in a conversation for like when you say all time 11, everybody just always picks the players with the best skill and stuff like that. But I think if you're actually trying to build a proper team, damn, it's hard to look past James Milner. Like he's, he's going to be missed a lot in the dressing room and there's going to be room in that leadership group. Like there's going to be a big vacuum there at vice captain for somebody to step up into. And I haven't really liked some of the, it's hard to gauge through a television screen, but you know, leadership that we've seen from Virgil this year, from Trent this year, Robertson, it just, it's not filled me with confidence. And that's why I, I like the idea as much as everybody says that it will never happen of a guy like Declan Rice. I think he comes yeah. in six, you know, he helps to spell off Fabinho. He can play at the base of a three-man midfield, though he's probably not very good at it. So if we're playing with this hybrid double pivot thing with Trent beside him, we know that Rice can do that. And I mean, he does it with Thomas Suchek, who looks like a vampire. So, I mean, if you put him in there beside Trent, you'd be a totally different player, but he brings leadership. You know, he brings durability. He brings that aggressiveness. Like, you know, he's an English darling. So maybe that helps us with the referees. We can get a few more calls going our way or, at least our players don't get elbowed in the face quite as much. Um, yeah, it's I, I'm not going to give up hope on it. I still think, I mean, it's Fabrizio Romano tweeting about it. So he knows barely more than any random Joe on the or a coin flip, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the talk around McAllister seems to be heating up a little bit, which yeah. uh, I mean, in terms of timing, uh, this is from way early in the show. Mutt, say what you see. Says, get in there, McAllister. Brilliant. What a pen. Come to Liverpool. We love that. A lovely story. I mean, on a day where uh, the the transfer gossip about Alexis McAllister really seems to be picking up some pace to Liverpool for him to score a last minute penalty yeah. to beat United. Tidy player, though. I I was really keeping an eye on him today, and uh, Brighton lined up today with Moises Caicedo playing right back for the first 65, 70 minutes, so it wasn't really the Caicedo-McAllister midfield that you've been used to seeing. I thought McAllister was very, very tidy today. Like, nothing spectacular. He wasn't setting the world on fire. Like, that was Matoma, who looks so fucking... Yeah, that guy can dribble. He is good. Uh, yeah. But McAllister really kept it ticking over, and I'll take that every day of the week, please. Yeah, like in like three, four years time, this Brighton team will be like, you know, that the streets we'll never forget. That's what yeah. this Brighton team will be. Um, I think it wasn't it like Southampton, they had like, like on paper, like their team when they had like Virgil, Sadio Mane, um, Lalana, like their team like looked ridiculous. Like that, that's, what, that's what this Brighton team will be in like two, three years because obviously like, they'll get gutted, you know, over the course of like the next maybe, you know, one or two transfer windows. McAllister looks like he's he's coming to us. Um, you know, Caicedo, like he he wants to leave. Um, but you know, there's you just like you just like run through the, the entire team. You just be like, yeah, like Matoma, he's another one. He looks looks great. Um Solly March, I know he's a bit older, but like how good has he been this season? There's just so many there. So um but yeah, like McAllister like yeah, he, like the the word you use, tidy, is is like a, a really good way to, to sum it up. Like, um, and again, he's another one who's like he plays the ball forward, which you know it sounds very like simplistic, but I just think like it makes such a difference. You know, if you can like progress the ball forward, um, and he's got a bit of like a 
they've got a bit of a bite to him as well. Like, you know, when I was watching the match tonight, like, he's not afraid to get stuck in. You know, sometimes, like, with these, like, tidy players, you know, they they love it when they're in possession and, you know, when they're out of possession, you know, it's they're, they're not really sort of too fussed on it. But, like, he seems like there's a bit of a fire in him. And, um, you know, there was a couple, like, tasty challenges in the match, like, but he didn't shirk them. You know, he was uh, he was getting stuck in there. So, um. So yeah, like I, I was really impressed with him tonight, and um, I think that is the kind of player that like we're sort of crying out for in our midfield. So you can see why you know we are targeting him, and I would not be surprised if the the Milner thing is. I know obviously it's not a swap or anything, but just you a know, little tweener. Uh, just a little yeah, sweet. yeah. Um, like the the problem. Well, say the problem with Milner, like. The sort of the last sort of twelve eighteen months, anytime there's been a discussion around whether Milner should be at the club or not, it's never been around what he brings on the pitch. It's always about what he brings off the pitch. And I'm not saying that like you you should um forget about that, but I think if, if that's what you're talking about, then I think that's probably when you need to, to say, Well, look, really that's that's we need more than just, you know, being a, a good leader, being a good pro, all that kind of thing. Um, he's been around the place long enough now where like you would think certainly the younger players they should see the example he's set and they should now be able to take that on and um I think it is I think it is the right time for him to to move on um especially you know, because we are going to be transitioning and I think you know um it'd be more of like a sort of like a fresh start for us next year um and as I say for him as well like you mentioned it before like I think it'd be great for him if he could uh, if he could get the record for most appearances, and um, obviously he's going to get more games playing at Brighton than he will at Liverpool next year. Yeah, good point. Yeah, That's, I think he's he might need to play two more seasons and get fairly regular appearances. I think he's like forty behind Gareth Barry or something like that. Which, mm-hmm. I mean, damn, what a what an Ironman career he had. I mean, talk about flying under the radar, Gareth Barry. Uh, I mean, yeah, Robert McGuire saying give Milner a coaching role. I mean, we don't know if that's something he even wants. You know, he might just want to go off and just play golf for 15 <laughs> years and enjoy himself. And I mean, hey, like, what can you do? Um, yeah, I mean, there's not too, too much else. How are you feeling going into the weekend? We got the the final of a trio of home games here on the spin. Brentford coming to Anfield on Saturday. Confident? Didn't go so well when we went down to their patch uh, in January. No, but obviously it's it's a different uh, it's a different kettle of fish playing them at Anfield. I think I think like tonight's result, the fact that Brighton have actually beaten United, and obviously the fact that United play on the Sunday, like you're hoping the crowd will the crowd will the crowd will know that if we win on Saturday, go a point behind United. Yes, they'll have three games in hand over us, but at the end of the day, like we'll have the points on the board, especially with them going away to West Ham the following day. Um, it'll really put the pressure on then. Um, so yeah, like I, I do, I do think we'll 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 win on Saturday. And like it's, I can't remember the last time I came on here and actually felt confident about a win. But um, I just feel like we're getting to that stage now where like, yes, like this season as a whole, it it has been terrible. But we like, even even though it is very slim, there is a chance that we could salvage something out of it. And it's a bit like, you know, 2021 where we finished, well, we ended up finishing third that year. But, you know, that second half of the season was so bad, but we actually managed to sort of like get uh, get Champions League football in the end. And that was like a, 
when I say it was a massive achievement, like obviously we shouldn't have been aiming for that or we wouldn't have been aiming for that. But given what had happened to actually get there in the end, it felt like a massive relief. And you think if that was to happen this season, it would be even bigger oh. than then. Um, but, you know, obviously, like I said, there, there's still a lot of things we need to go our way. But um, I do think we'll win on Saturday, I think, as well with it being like a Saturday half five. Like I, I think like you always get a good atmosphere for them games. Yeah, it's uh, going to be confident again. I, I've always thought since that run of uh, City, Chelsea, Arsenal, I thought that we were just going to run the table from here on out and we just got to keep doing it. We're doing it in different ways, you know, from absolutely pulverizing leads to looking confident, if not a little shaky in moments against West Ham to the complete utter madness that was Spurs to just one of those games that I don't even know where it would have been in the running order on match of the day, that one nil against Fulham, you know, right, right <laughs> near at the very, very end. Uh, not a lot of highlights to it, but I mean, we got four games to go. United have five games to go. We need them to drop eight points in their last five games. Crazier, crazier things have happened. Uh, I mean, Olivia here with a great shout. Uh, the return of big Sam this weekend <laughs> leads taking on Manchester city if they beat Manchester City, it might be the funniest result that's ever happened yeah. in the history of football. Like, oh, 100%. That's, I, I love the fact that you mentioned uh, McAllister, how he passes the ball forward, because that's one of the five pillars of Big Sam's uh, coaching uh, philosophies, along with, like, don't make mistakes and score more goals than the other team. Uh, it's like a John Madden-style coaching manual that's going on, but... Uh, yeah, another another big weekend of Premier League action. Kev will be in here tomorrow night. Uh, pre uh, previewing the whole thing for the weekend, get everybody set up and going. We'll have full-time Reds on Saturday after the match, and then Sunday will be the Fatback Four like it usually is on a Sunday, and we can do a little bit more math and see whether we're done with this dream or whether those 538 odds of Liverpool finishing in the top four just keep on increasing week by week by week. Um, the show, again, sponsored by bookmakers.com. The main thing, though, is our charity partner, 12 Dublin Women Running the Dublin Marathon, raising money for breast cancer awareness. The link is in the description on all the show's social media or anything like that. Please go ahead. If you're feeling a little generous, drop some money into that GoFundMe campaign. We'll slowly help these ladies get to their fundraising goal as they continue to train daily to run the Dublin Marathon, all 12 of them, which is an amazing uh, act by them. So the least we can do is help this out. Throw it into your social media accounts, share it all around and everything like that. It's all well and good. Hit the like button for the show on your guys' way out. Anything before we get out of here, Glenn? No, no. Um, so I was just uh, let's hope for another three points on Saturday and uh, hope the minds shit the bed on Sunday. Yeah, that's, that's all you can hope for. We'll all be uh, really pulling for West Ham come Sunday. So uh, that's the big thing. Also, very good week for me for my fantasy league. Let's just check here. What do we got? Whoo, 131 points, baby. That's a big week for me. It's moving week. If I'm going to do anything in my little league with my friends, I got to get going. So it's going all well and good. Uh, thanks, everybody, for joining me. Thanks again, Glenn, for joining me. Uh, becoming a regular on the show with me, and it's fantastic. like doing these with you a lot. So thanks for joining us here on Full-Time Reds. We'll see you guys again next Thursday. Adios. Sports Social Podcast Network. <laughs> 